morning? Am I on? Can you hear me? For those of you who don't know what that is, that's just some exercises I do. <laughs> just didn't know the vows could be spiritual, did you? I uh, just thank the Lord for all of you. <clears throat> I, uh, I am blessed to pastor one of the greatest churches in America today at Glad Tidings Church. I'm blessed. <clears throat> thank the Lord for the fantastic team, Pastor Shad, and, uh, Tawana, Pastor Tawana, Pastor Elizabeth. And I got to give a shout out to uh, Pastor Ryland today. Uh, I'm, some of you who may not know, um, well, he's got the day off. In fact, he can take tomorrow off. This guy ran 63 miles in about 23 hours, and uh, it's it's actually translated into kilometers. That he was raising funds for the repairs and upgrades. Insurance is taking care of a lot of the repairs, but there were some upgrades that needed to be done on H two O. That guy, I'm sure he's raised five, six, seven thousand dollars. And uh, man, I thank God for that. That uh, that's actually giving of yourself. And so, as somebody said, Pastor Rylands the bomb.com. He did a great job, and um, he'll see this. So let him know how much you appreciate that. Amen. Thankful for the pastor, all the pastors. Thankful for Belinda and Roberta who work with us, do a great job. Appreciate them. Uh, if you're a guest here today, we thank God that you're here. Uh, welcome to Glad Tidings Church. And uh, we've got some people who've not been here in a while. Uh, got a little bit of feedback if you can help me with that up here. Appreciate that so much. Sharice uh, Stafford, are you here? Where is she? Right over there. Let Cherie know how much appreciate her. Fantastic. Amen. I mean, she was in a three-car pileup on the Beaufort Bridge. And um, she's been out of commission for probably six, seven weeks. But she's back today. The angels of the Lord encamp around about those who fear Him. Amen. Amen. And uh, we just thank God for that. Uh, special friends of mine that are here today, all the way from Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, this guy served on my council while I was at Capitol Church in Raleigh for those 10 years. He probably had a lot of mercy on me. It's where I cut my teeth and the Lord showed me and trained me, gave me a lot of lessons. And um, uh, this couple, wonderful group of people. In fact, uh, he's on the board of Emmanuel College, and I uh, thank the Lord for this wonderful couple, David and Mary Robertson. God bless you. Glad you're here today. And they love this area so much, they've actually moved down here. So, uh, and uh, so we, uh, they still live in Raleigh, but man, once the salt water is in your blood, man. Let's continue our series today. We're going to conclude the series today. So the question is, are we there yet? Today we're going to get there, all right? We're going to finish the book of Zechariah, chapters 12 through 14. And these are powerful chapters in the Old Testament. We're going to go with our text, beginning with Zechariah chapter 12, several verses of Scripture, and we're going to go to chapter 13, verse 1, and then some other Scriptures. So let's look at those if we can. Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 1. Here's what the Word says. This is a prophecy, the Word of the Lord concerning Israel. The Lord who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundation of the earth, and who forms the human spirit within a person declares 
I am going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding peoples reeling. Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem. He's talking about the future here. And on that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered together against her, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. And on that day I will strike every horse with panic and its rider with madness, declares the Lord. I'll keep a watchful eye over Judah, but I will blind all the horses of the nations. Then the clans of Judah will say in their hearts, The people of Jerusalem are strong because the Lord Almighty is their God. And on that day, I'll make the clans of Judah like a fire pot in a wood pile, like a flaming torch among sheaves. They will consume all the surrounding peoples right and left. Jerusalem will remain intact in her place. Lord will save the dwellings of Judah first so that the honor of the house of David and Jerusalem's inhabitants may not be greater than that of Judah. And on that day the Lord will shield those who live in Jerusalem so that the feeblest among them will be like David and the house of David will be like God, like the angel of the Lord going before them. On that day I will set out to destroy all nations that attack Jerusalem. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one who mourns for an only child. And they will grieve bitterly for him as one who grieves for a firstborn son. On that day, the weeping in Jerusalem will be as great as the weeping of Hadad, Rimmon, and the plain of Megiddo. The land will mourn each clan by itself with their wives by themselves, the clan of the house of David and their wives, the clan of the house of Nathan and their wives, the clan of the house of Levi and their wives, the clan of Shimei and their wives, and all the rest of the clans and their wives. And on that day, a fountain will be opened to the house of David. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. And on that day I will banish the names of the idols from the land and they will be remembered no more, declares the Lord Almighty. I will remove both the prophets and the spirit of impurity from the land. And if anyone still prophesies, their father and mother to whom they were born will say to them, you must die because they have told lies in the Lord's name. Then their own parents will stab the one who prophesied. Let's go on to verse 4. And on that day, every prophet will be ashamed of their prophetic vision. They will not put a prophet's garment of hair in order to deceive. Let's stop right there. I basically want you to understand the passage of Scripture today is talking about a future event. And so today, we're going to conclude this series. We want to entitle this message, titles on the screen. JD, if you'll just put it up there. The title of this series is basically the conclusion. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's ask Him to bless our time together as the Holy Spirit ministers today. And let's believe God to meet needs. Father, thank you. We praise you and give you glory and honor because you are worthy to receive praise. Today, Father, as we look into the future, give us hope, give us courage, give us faith. And everybody that loved Jesus said together, Amen. And Amen. You may be seated in the presence of Jesus today. <clears throat> the end of the book of Zechariah, he is bringing to us the final oracle, a heavy weight. The word is a heavy weight and it is being lifted up. It's a heavy weight on Zacharias. He speaks the word and it's a heavy word on those who hear it. And as a result of these oracles, the first oracle given around chapters 11, 10, 11, somewhere along that line, Zacharias speaks to them about what will happen to all of the other enemies, all of the nations of Israel, all the nations around Israel, and what will happen to them 
in that final day. But in this oracle, chapters 12, 13, and 14, Zechariah is going to speak to them about what's going to happen to Jerusalem and the people of God. The question is, we know what the Bible says about what's going to happen at the end of the ages, but what about us? What can we expect in terms of these last events? What's going to happen on planet earth? What's going to happen prior to the coming of the Lord? Questions abound. Will America be a great nation? Will socialism or communism overcome our republic? Will there be difficulties in nature that will continue? Will the waters rise? Will the fires continue? Will the gospel go forth? I can guarantee you that the gospel will go forth to the ends of the earth. The Bible says, and this gospel shall be preached unto all nations as a witness for me, and then shall the end come. A lot of people have asked, Pastor, what do you think about Kanye West and Kanye's new album? Well, I'm going to tell you, anybody that's bold enough in the recording industry to, la to label their album, Jesus is King, i got to tell you, I like that. He was asked by Jimmy Kimmel just a week or so ago, Kanye, are, now, are you now a Christian recording artist? And he said, you know what, I'm a Christian everything. Now a lot of people may say, well, I don't know about Kanye, I don't know, man, you know, and that got the Kardashians over here and, you know, everything. And let me tell you something. <clears throat> Cut Kanye some slack and let's see what Jesus will do. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, I don't know a lot about Kanye's music. As I told you last week, a lot of it is... <laughs> but you know what? A new generation will hear about the gospel. He is actually holding gatherings and thousands of people are coming and they're hearing the message of Jesus. Jesus can use anybody. He can use you. And so I want to tell you that let's pray for him. Will you do that? Pray for him. Pray for him. Let's ask God to touch him. Who knows? God may use him in a powerful way. But I know that in the times before the coming of the Lord, the Bible says that perilous times will come and precede the coming of Jesus. <clears throat> Some doubt the coming of the Lord. 2 Peter chapter 3. Verses 3 and 4 says that in the last days scoffers will come and say, where is the promise of His coming? People will go on with their lives and they will continue, but the day of the Lord will catch them unaware. Just like the days of Noah, when He warned the people that a flood was coming and they did not listen to Him. But yet the flood came and great destruction came upon the earth. And so therefore, it's important for us to remember that the day of the Lord is coming. I don't know everything that's going to happen between now and the coming of the Lord. I don't know what's going to happen politically. We have an idea from some of the principles of Scripture, but I can tell you that the Bible is very clear what will happen in terms of the last days and prior to the appearing of Jesus when He comes to reign on earth for a thousand years. If you don't know what's happen, ha going to happen, let me tell you exactly what's going to happen from the book of Zechariah, from Matthew 24, and also from the book of Revelation. One of the things that is going to happen, we don't know exactly what time it may be that we go through some difficulty. It may be that it could happen today. But at some point, those who love Jesus Christ with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, the Bible says, will be called up to meet Him. I will tell you that the word, the scripture does not use the term rapture. It uses the term called up. I'd rather be biblical and just let you know that God is going to catch us up 
to be with Him. How many believe the Word of God? We don't know what point that's going to be, but it will happen. And when that happens, there are going to be some things that will take place on planet earth. I believe that we will, before we are caught up to be with Jesus, we will know the identity of the Antichrist. The Bible says that he will be revealed before that day of the Lord. Some of you are saying, well, is it this person? And they're trying to do all of the things in the book of Revelation. And they're trying to figure it out and using their mathematical equation and letters for numbers and all different types of alphabets. I want to tell you, you don't have to look for the person. The spirit of Antichrist is alive already today. It's there. It's present. But yet in that time, there will be the personification of evil. And the Antichrist will come. And the world will know his identity. And there will be tribulation on planet earth. The Bible calls it Jacob's trouble. And for seven years the Antichrist will make himself known. But yet at the end of that, or in the middle of that tribulation period, in three and a half years after he has made a peace treaty with God's people, he will demand to be worshipped. And there will be a change that takes place according to the Word of God. And He will seek to destroy the Jews. He will seek to wipe out the name of Yahweh, the name of Jesus, anything to do with Christianity. He will do this to wipe it out so that He can be exalted. I'm going to tell you, you don't want to be here when this happens. But yet, there are some things that we've got to understand. That when the tribulation time comes, and we don't know at what point the body of Christ will be lifted up out of that. I want to tell you, I, I would love to, to be lifted out before any trouble comes. But, you know, I've been alive a long time, and I've seen charts and graphs, and I've seen all types of things. And people have had to erase and change their charts. I'm like Jack Hayford. I got an agreement with God. When he comes, I go. And so therefore, when the Antichrist comes, in that three and a half year period, there's going to be an unleashing of evil and wrath on planet earth. The sun will scorch men's bodies. They want to talk about global warming. They're going to get it on that day. And there also, the Bible says that there will be a star that will come out of the heavens and it will pollute one-third of the waters on planet earth. One-third of the people will die. One-third of the ships will be destroyed on the seas. It's going to happen during the time of the tribulation period. Men will be bitten by beasts and they will... Ask to die because of the pain that's in their bodies for months. And after this takes place, we know that there will be upheaval. And we know that the nations will gather themselves around Jerusalem, led by the Antichrist. And the Bible says in Zechariah, in the Old Testament, this has not yet been fulfilled, but in Zechariah chapter 14, it says that the nations will gather around Jerusalem and they will destroy a certain portion of that city. Some of the women will be taken advantage of and raped at this time. Many will flee to the wilderness. And the people in a last effort cry will call on the name of God. And my question is, when they call on the name of the Lord, I want to know, will He hear them? My answer is 100% absolutely yes. God will hear their cry. And at this moment of history, it's going to happen. The, the armies of the earth are there. The satanic forces of hell as they try to come against this place. Here's what will happen. As the armies are gathering, something is going to happen. There will be the nations who are gathered there for war, according to the scripture that I just read you, they will literally be stricken with drunkenness. 
It says that Jerusalem's cup will make men stagger. God will intervene so that there will not even have to be a shot fired from the forces of heaven. Men will stagger under the power of God as He appears. Not only that, but the Bible says that their horses will be stricken with blindness. And you ask the question, well, I don't know about this, Pastor. Talk about horses in this time frame. i got to tell you that sometimes these prophets, they didn't always understand everything that they were seeing, everything that they were envisioning. But I will tell you this. They will be stricken with blindness, and whether it's a plane, it will be, they will lose their ability to use the GPS systems, the tanks, all types of military equipment. It will be stranded on the battlefield because they will not know where to go. God will intervene. And so as the forces are staggering about and they're gathering around this nation, on that day, according to what we see in Scripture, It says that 16 times in these passages, on that day, here's what's going to happen. Jesus' feet will hit the Mount of Olives. Why the Mount of Olives? Because we've got to understand that His famous Olivet Discourse, when He talked about His coming, He said, I'm going to come back, I'm going to return, and He's going to return to the very place where He preached that 2,000 years ago. Not only that, the night before He died in the Garden of Gethsemane, at the base of the Mount of Olives, we know that Jesus prayed there. We also know that Jesus, when He ascended on high to be at the right hand of God the Father, we know that that is where He came from. He will come back to the very place where He left, as He said He would in the book of Acts. But I want to also tell you this, it is not going to be some image. It is not going to be some type of figure. It is not going to be some type of spirit. Jesus Himself will come to planet earth and there will be those who will travel, who will move in fear because of the power of God that will be unleashed. Don't misunderstand me today. You've got to know that Jesus returning is not some figment of my imagination. It is not some pie in the sky. Jesus will return. This earth will see the Lord revealed on this planet. When he comes, his feet hit that ground, I'm telling you there's going to be an earthquake that they will not be able to register on the Richter scale. It's going to come with such force that it will actually change the geography of the Middle East. The Bible says that a new valley will be opened up and it will be formed. And the Lord will return with His holy ones. Saints of all the ages, says Revelation chapter 19. And the holy ones who are called up. Matthew 24 says that He will gather His elect from the four winds. And the enemies of God will see Him and His elect. And the power and the glory of God's people and the renewed forces of Israel will be invincible. Chapter 14 and verse 12 says, As the enemies stand, their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouths. There will be such... Some people say that sounds like a nuclear blast. I want to tell you, I don't believe it's going to be a nuclear blast. It's going to be the unleashed glory of God that men with sin cannot stand in the presence of a holy God. It's going to happen. The devastation of God's enemies according to the book of Revelation. The blood will flow to the horse's bridle. There will be a new river. That will be caused by that earthquake. And it will flow from Jerusalem. Rivers in Jerusalem. Rivers in the desert. Absolutely. 
One part of this river will flow to the Mediterranean Sea and the other part will flow to the Dead Sea where nothing grows. I'm going to tell you the Dead Sea is now going to be revived. There will be fish that will grow in the Red Sea and you and I can go there and have a resort on the Dead Sea and catch fish on the Dead Sea. I'm telling you it's going to change that area. It's going to blossom because this is the area that Jesus is going to reign from. Jerusalem will be the center of the earth. And He will rule and reign from there. He will rule and there will be a millennial reign. The desert as it blossoms, Jesus rules as King over the earth. No longer will people say, there are many paths to God. Instead, the world acknowledges one God revealed in Jesus Christ. The kingdoms of this world, as Handel's Messiah in the book of Isaiah talked about it. And the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ. And He shall reign forever and ever and ever. And sin will be done with. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. He will reign for a thousand years and He will rule. I'm telling you, it's going to be something. In fact... As Chuck Smith says, it's going to be beautiful graffiti. If you look back in Zechariah 14, the last chapters, it says that even the pots and pans will have the imprint of Jesus on them. The horses' bridles, the, even the leather will say, Holiness unto the Lord. I'm telling you, the name of Jesus will be everywhere. Holiness, beauty, Glory! It's going to be a fantastic time. I'm going to be there. How many of you want to be there during that time? As we come back with Him and victory is taking place. When the Bible says that these things will happen. And that should encourage you today. Why should it encourage you? I want to tell you something. You may be going through a rough time and it may be difficult for you. But here's the good news. Jesus is coming. You may have had a difficult time in your home. You may have gone through grief. You may have gone through suffering. You may have lost loved ones. But I've got some good news for you. Jesus is coming. There are some of you here today and you are in financial difficulty. You don't know if you're ever going to get out. I'm going to tell you the great emancipator, Jesus, He is coming. I want to tell you today that the world is reeling. The earth is under its curse. But on that day, Jesus will come and the curse will be lifted. I hear, I'm here today. I know I talked about this a little last Sunday, but I got to tell you, this is the last chapter or the last chapters of the oracle. God will save Jerusalem. He will reign from Jerusalem. God will have His day. Evil will be dealt with. Wrath will be poured out on planet earth. The plagues will come. The bowls and the trumpets will sound in the book of Revelation. God's going to deal with evil. God's going to make it right. You say, I don't know how it could ever happen. It seems that the forces of evil have actually converged on our planet and what is right is wrong and what is wrong is right in the eyes of many people. Hear me today. Jesus is coming. He will make the wrong right. Every mountain and hill shall be brought low and the valleys will be brought up and the crooked shall be made straight and the Lord will be glorified and God's people will see it together. I love of this message today. Hallelujah. You can give God praise. It's all right. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. But the question is, what do we do in the meantime, Pastor? What's the last message for the last days? There are people that don't know Jesus. There are people that don't, that don't serve Him. There are people that don't understand the message of the gospel. We are almost there. We're not there yet. But we've got a responsibility to those who do not know our Christ. And so what must we do? What is the message that we should proclaim prior to the coming of the Lord? The message is very clear in the book of Zechariah in these last three chapters. From these principles, here's what we must do. Number one. We must declare that everyone, everyone is accountable to their Creator. Everyone is accountable to their Creator. 
There are some who say, I am my own man. I am self-made. No, you are accountable to your Creator. Here's what the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 12. It says, this is the oracle of the word of the Lord concerning Israel. And then he says, I am the one who put the stars in place. I am the one who made the planets and the galaxies. I am the one who actually formed the earth that you stand on. The seas that are there. I made them. I put breath in your body. I formed you. I knew you when you were in your mother's womb. I made you. I don't know about you, but if there is something in your life that you make it, you, you put it over, you have a sense of ownership over that. And the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He has the right to declare that we are accountable to Him. Now, how many of you go shopping, and you're going to go shopping a lot between now and December the 24th? I know some of you are doing the Christmas carols and, and some of you are watching the Hallmark movies. God bless your heart. I've got to endure that. I'm telling you. And there's some of you, you, you just, man, you're singing. I like Christmas music. I've got it on. My, I, will, I will make this one admission. I've, on my Sirius XM, I've got it on channel 70 and I'm listening to Bing Crosby. Dream. I mean, I've, I just enjoy that. It, it, it's festive because I hear about Jesus on the radio. I hear about festive things. And so I want you to understand that Jesus formed us all. He formed the earth. And we are accountable to Him because He made it. But because you make something, there's, there's some accountability. You're going to go shopping. And you're going to buy some clothing. And some of you will get something on Christmas morning. You'll get some new slacks or a new shirt. Some will get a new guitar. Praise God. I, some, will get, some will get some things they want. But in that pair of slacks, you'll pick out this little piece of paper. And it'll say, what will it say? Inspected by number seven. That meant that number seven, whoever that person was, looked at that garment, examined the stitching, made sure it was right, and they put their approval by that little piece of paper in the pocket. Now what if that shirt or pair of pants began to talk back to inspector number seven and say, why are you looking at me? Why are you examining my stitching? This is my stitching. This is my color. This is my fabric. I want to tell you, inspector number seven would probably freak out when they saw that. But I want you to understand that the person who makes it has the authority over it. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He is in control of planet earth. Do not think that this world has just rifted off into some type of existence where there is no control. Our God is in charge today. And there will be a comeuppance. And there must be an accountability. When I think about what happens in terms of a person who's an atheist, they don't, have, they don't believe in accountability. And so therefore they live a life that's misguided. A person who's a deist who believes that maybe God created it, but he's back from it. He's going to have a limited accountability. But we must declare that Jesus is Lord, and he's Lord of all things. And there is one creator over the heavens and the earth, and he is Lord of all. That is why it is important. The Bible says now is time to prepare. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 11 says, Remember your creator in the days of your youth because the years approach and you say I find no pleasure in them. Everyone is accountable to Jesus. Everyone will have to give an, a comeuppance to Jesus. Everyone. The Senate will have to give an account. The people in the House of Representatives will have to give an account. The people in Hollywood will have to give an, an account. Uh, Jim, Kim Jong-un, the guy with the haircut, the bad haircut, he'll have to give an account 
to God. I'm going to tell you every person who has ever lived will be accountable to Him. I'm glad that I'm going to be able to say I don't stand on my own accord. I don't stand on the things that I have done. I only claim Your blood, Jesus, and You've covered me with it. If you're covered with the blood of Jesus, you need to give Him praise in this house today. You need to give Him thanks that you'll stand before Him clean. So you're accountable to your Creator. Number two, here's what's going to happen. You will either align yourself with God or your fleshly desires. That's what we're going to say. There's really only two things. You're going to follow after God or you're going to follow after your own ways. We live in a day where we like to mix it up. I want to get a little bit of God, a little bit of Jesus in my life, a little bit of whatever in my life. You know, we always want that. Got to have a little mixture. Listen, there's only two roads. Led Zeppelin was right. There are only two paths that you can go on. And it means that you've got to follow after Jesus or you're going to follow after your own desires. This is the message. Those who champion the flesh, the world, the lust, the eyes, and the pride of life that they face, they're going to face God. And as the world is gathered one day against Jerusalem, the ultimate battle versus good and evil, the Bible says Jerusalem will be as an immovable rock. They will tear themselves and wound themselves trying to move it. Just like Saul on the Damascus road. He was not able to move in the glory and the presence of God. He said it's hard to kick against the pricks of God. And so therefore, there are those who will follow after their own ways. Just as after Moses came down with the Ten Commandments, they had made a golden calf. And the Lee, he said when he saw that, he knew that some have turned away from God. And he said, in essence, who is on the Lord's side? And their Levites came to him. And others came to him. There had to be a parting of the ways. Who will follow after God? And who will follow after their own flesh? I like the fact that when Joshua began to fight the battle of Jericho before he went there, he met the angel of the Lord, which is the Old Testament envisioning or the Old Testament appearance of Jesus as he comes as to as a battle warrior to fight for them and Joshua asked this warrior he said in essence he asked the question he said are you for us are you against us are you on our side warrior or are you on Jericho's side he said neither Neither. I am the commander of the armies of the Lord. In other words, I'm not concerned about that side and this side. I'm concerned about who's on the Lord's side. Who's on God's side. Who's with Jesus. Who's with the kingdom. Who's with expanding His rule and reign? That was the question that was asked. He was saying, I'm not trying to get you on our side. I want to make sure that you're on the Lord's side. And Joshua bowed before Jesus, this appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. I want to tell you something. Hear me. If you want your life to be blessed, you've got to make up your mind that you will serve Jesus Christ with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And there are those who don't even realize that they're living a life of perdition because they're following after their own desires. There comes a time when it's a little bit pleasurable, but the Bible says that the pleasures of sin are just for a season. Hear me today. Give Jesus your life. You want to be blessed. You want to live in His gracious glory. You want to know that He's in charge of your life. You want to know that He's got a plan for you. You want to know that your God takes care of you. That He meets your need. That He's got a future for you. Then I want to tell you, live the life that you've been living because it will not hold up and give it to Jesus and live the life that He he has wanted you to live, and it's a good life. Can you say amen to that today? It's a good life. Then number three, His goodness and power are demonstrated to lead you to salvation. What does that simply mean? It simply means this. That the goodness of the Lord... How many of you got up this morning 
How many? None of you? We need to call Mundans or something. I don't know. How many of you got up this morning? Yeah. You got up? Pastor Shad, I don't know. Pastor, you know, it's kind of like we say, he says, I got up in my right mind. I don't know about that part, but I got up. God blessed you. You breathed. You had life in your body. Your blood was pumping. It may have been a little high blood pressure, but you are still going on. I'm telling you, in the life you live today after church, I don't know where we're going to eat, but I'm going to tell you it's going to be good. I'm telling there will be a, a, a plate of food set before me. I'm thankful that I have a house to live in. I'm thankful that I've got shoes to wear. I'm thankful that I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I know that Jesus is in control of that. When I lie my head, when I lay my head down on my pillow tonight, I know that I'm right with God. I know that He's going to take care of everything until the morning light. And I know that God is in control. The reason that you are blessed today and the reason that you have those things is not because of something that you have done. It is because God has poured out His grace on you. You don't deserve the air you breathe. But God says in His magnanimous glory, I give life to you. You're blessed today. You're blessed. But what is God saying? You can't help but love it. And this is what is going to happen at the end of the times. As the battle rages and the nations gather around the people. The Bible says that at that point Israel is going to cry out to their Messiah. They cry out to Him. And Romans chapter 11 and verse 26 will be fulfilled. Where it says at that time all Israel will be saved. And a deliverer will come out of Zion. I'm going to tell you, there will be a day when Israel will recognize Jesus Christ as Lord. It will happen. The Bible is very clear. Here's the point. Just as grace was poured out, and the Bible says that the fountain was opened there, just as it will be poured out on Jerusalem and they turn to Him, the goodness of the Lord is being poured out to you today. He's being merciful to you. Realize it. He will not only cleanse you, but He will purify you. He will change your life. That's our message. His goodness to you and His power to you leads you to know Him. Fourthly and finally, God wants you to have a life beyond regret. A life beyond regret. The Bible says in chapter 12, verses 10 through 13, that what's actually going to happen in Israel. The Bible says that they will realize that they crucified their Messiah. The entire nation, it mentions all those houses and their clans. It talks about the houses of leadership. The houses of the priest. There will be wailing in Israel. Deep sobs will be heard deeper than a mother who has lost a child. There will be weeping and crying because they crucified their Messiah. Not only because they did that, but because He loved them and delivered them and helped them even though they did not deserve it. They will recognize the goodness of the Lord and the grace of God. I want to tell Tell you every day that I live, I don't deserve to be blessed. I don't deserve anything that I've received. I don't deserve to have the favor of God, but I'm glad that He pours it out. And on that day, Israel will realize that He is the Lord, and they will turn to Him, and there will be a powerful move of God that will stem from that time. They will realize that they were the ones who wounded him. They will mourn for the one that they have pierced, says the scripture. But the good news is, is that he will accept them. I want to tell you, that's going to be a wonderful day. I think, you know, this is the part I like, that the news will have to say on that day, some of these reporters, they will have to say, 
Israel has recognized Jesus Christ as their Lord. And they will show footage on the battlefield of all of the armies and their equipment that is just laid there in rust and in ruins. It will show the new area, the new valley that has been created because of the earthquake and the Lord's feet touching the Mount of Olives. They will show the new river going to the Mediterranean Sea. They will show the new river going to the Dead Sea. They'll show all of the people worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I want to tell you the curse is going to be lifted. And the child will play near the adder's hole. The lion and the lamb will lie down together. Peace will reign on planet earth. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And the Lord will be glorified once and for all. And we will be a part of that great day. How many of you are excited that Jesus is coming again? But i got to tell you something. A life beyond regret. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to get your life in order. Today is the day to turn to Him. The Bible speaks of a man, a rich man who died. The Bible says that he lifted up his eyes in hell. And in the midst of the flames, he asked for one of the patriarchs to dip his finger in water and just to touch his tongue. But the response came back to him that there's a great gulf fixed between us. I want to tell you there was a great gulf that was between us, between God and man from the beginning of time when Adam sinned. But I want to tell you, the cross bridged the gap. And today, we can have communion with Jesus and we can come boldly before our Father. You're accountable to Him. His goodness leads you to Him. And He wants you to live a life beyond regret. So the message today is very simple. When is all this going to happen? I don't know. It may start this afternoon. You know what? That's all right with me. Jesus may come before December 25th. Wouldn't that be awesome? Man, there are some who, who just don't understand that this word is going to come to pass. But I want to tell you that we live in a good day, a day of grace, a day to say, you know what? I'm going to make everything right and I'm going to give Jesus 100% of my life. The Bible is clear in the very beginning. When will it all happen? When will it all take place? We began this series with the first passage of Scripture which said the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, son of Berechiah, son of Edo. In the Hebrew that means God listens and he hears and he will bless in his time so in his timing it will happen but today I want to ask you a question there may be someone here I don't know if there's someone here or not last Sunday about seven or eight people said I want to give my life completely and totally to Jesus there's something that's just not right with my heart and I need to give Jesus my life aren't you glad Jesus still saves aren't you glad that he does that and today is no different and as we get ready to enter into a new season, a season of holidays, wouldn't it be awesome to enter into that season knowing the reason for the celebration? So today, I just want to ask this question. Every head bowed, every eye closed, there's someone in here today. I want to give you that opportunity. You may say, Pastor, I'm really not right with God. I know about Jesus. I know of Jesus. But I'm not sold out to Him. Here's the good news. Today you can know. If you know this, those of you who know that you know that you know, can you say amen today? I want everybody in this room to be able to say that. Here's what I want you to do. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you right where you are. You say, Pastor, there's something in my life and I'm... I've not really surrendered everything to Jesus, but today I want to give everything to Him. I don't want there to be anything that hinders my walk with Him. 
I want to live with Jesus eternally. I want a good life. I want to be forgiven. I want to make sure there's nothing that hinders me in my walk. And if that's you today, I'm just going to ask you just to lift your hand. Where are you? Where are you? There's one right up there. Anybody else? I need to give my life to Jesus. There's another one. Anybody else? I need to give my life to Jesus. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord. About three, four individuals today. I want you to take the hand of the person next to you. Can you do that? Take the hand of the person next to you. We're going to pray this together. We're going to ask the Lord just to touch these. You know the angels in heaven are getting ready to rejoice for about three or four people who are going to give their lives to Jesus Christ today. The enemy doesn't like this at all. But you know what? He's going to be defeated anyway. We've just read the back of the book and we know that we win. So today, let's pray together. Come on, pray it with me. Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me to be what you've designed me to be. I love you, Lord. Thank you for dying for me. Take away the hindrance, that which displeases you. And I give you everything today. In Jesus' name, thank you for for forgiving me. Thank you for cleansing me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed. If you prayed that prayer, you meant that. Just look at me. You prayed your prayer. Lift your hand. If you lift your hand before and say, Hey, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. I prayed that prayer. Yes. God bless you, sir. God bless you right down here. God bless you right over there. Hallelujah. These people are saying, Yes, I prayed that with you. And today, hallelujah, God is doing a great work in your life. Hold on to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. Over here, hold on to Jesus. He's your life, and He will bless you. Get in the Word of God. Find somebody to pray with you. We want to help you get started right, help you to grow. We want to get you in in the essentials class so that you can become a disciple of Jesus and be an overcomer. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm excited today that this morning, man, if heaven is rejoicing about four people that prayed that prayer and said yes to Jesus, I want us to stand to our feet and I want us to give praise to God that He has saved four people in this room today. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Now I'm telling you what, that fried chicken is going to taste a whole lot better today. Amen. Today's a great day. I want to thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for honoring me. I feel blessed to be your pastor. And I thank God for you. I want you to have an awesome day today. And let the Lord bless you. And may He meet your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Love one another. God bless you. Have an awesome day in the Lord. Amen.